Welcome back to the Creative Poisson podcast. Today we're here with our artistic director, Tommaso Cartier, ready to be inspired by moving divertissement that this Creative Being episode will be. And I'm not saying moving by chance. As you may know, this is our Dance Member Month that we are dedicating to the theme of dance and movement and also to the dancing spirit of the holidays, a time to celebrate the sparks of our inner beauty and ignite the world with it. December is the last act of our one-year ballet routine of our waltz through the season and the one that ends with a cathartic apotheosis. A year passes as we transform and we keep on inviting magic in our creative being essence to co-create a better, more enlightened world. Maybe that's the true spirit of the holidays. A sparkling maze connecting all of our creative dots, decorating this magnificent tree that is our planet Earth. As we're talking about movement, for this Creative Being episode, we thought of exploring the subject is what is the so-called seventh art, the movies that are indeed a beautiful dance of images and sounds in motion. Me and Tommaso actually met many years ago, as you may remember, actually on a movie set. And there we started our dance that is opening up today to a brand new act. So we thought the subject matter would come absolutely naturally to us. And it absolutely does. Thank you so much, Puya, for putting us already in a dream state with this whimsical introduction. Stop! <laughs> so as you said, today we're going to talk movies, how they move us, why they move us, and in particular, we're going to explore one of the movies of this holiday season, which is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, directed by Maria Heller and starring Tom Hanks, which I had the pleasure to review for our creative Poison or poison, as we are, uh, you know, embracing any sort of like different pronunciation that you want to call it also because we think that uh, we're giving you a creative intoxication. Mm -hmm. So, um, and behind, beyond the movie, we're going to introduce also our special guest, a surprising holidays gift, who is actress Wendy McKenna, who stars in A Beautiful Day in the Hayward in a pivotal role. So uh, the interview is an ex exclusive peek into the making of the movie, her work with the great Tom Hanks and Matthew Rees, as well with the director of the movie, of course, the uber-talented Maria Heller. Also, McKenna recounts her multi-layered career as an actress, dancer, and musician. Started out with her breaking up role of Sister Mary Robert in the beloved Sister Act 1 and 2, which is actually one of my favorite movies to watch during the holiday season, and I watched it the other night. So, um, are you, Puya, uh, familiar with Sister Act? Was that a movie that you enjoy uh, watching during the holidays? Am I familiar <laughs> with it? I'm a 90s kid. That's blasphemous. <laughs> of course I grew up watching it. I can't tell you how many times I've watched it and sang along with it. It's a classic, and it is an all-time feel-good movie. It is an all-time feel-good movie. So, proceeding with our movie subject, before going into the, uh, actually the movie and the special interview, I wanted to share some thoughts about movies, the film medium, and why it is such a powerful form of art that can only move us 
not only move us, but literally make us transition through dimensions and emotional stages and states. So, as you recall, we began our December month with a creative briefing addressing the importance that the Greeks and the Latins gave to the community of body and mind to fully access our potential as human beings. Remember, Puya, we said man sano in corpore sano. Yes. Which means a healthy mind in a healthy body. So the poets, the intellectuals that initiated our contemporary culture back in the days in the Latin and Greek world knew that that was fundamental and crucial, moving your body as well as your mind and soul in unison. So why this communion of movements is so important? It probably, it, it probably it is because it mimics the natural cycle and its dance, and that's probably the movement be, behind any form of creation. So when, for example, an actor or, or an actress is on stage or in front of a camera, what happens to her? So I'm asking you, Puya, as an actress, how do you feel your body and your mind? Do you feel it like in unison when you create a, a character, when you bring it to life on stage? Absolutely. I think everything that happens on stage is movement between the actors themselves, between the actors and the music, and between the actors and the audience. And you give the audience something and you move them and they give it back to you mm -hmm. and then you reflect it. So I think it's just this never-ending cycle between all the moving parts on and off the stage. Absolutely. On and off the stage. Well, you know, I started uh, talking about the Greeks and the, and the Latins actually to try to trace a line, again, a movement that uh, in history will then blossom in the 18th century, uh, uh, where the Greek and the Latin formula of the drama will then transition into melodrama, then into, uh, into the opera, and uh, at the threshold of the century into, of course, the invention of the cinematographer. So our body and minds in connection, in unison with the universe, they proceed in waves of energies, and this is studied by science as well. And music is again waves mu moving at different heights in perfect melodies. And when our body moves along with them, we wave and we can literally move through dimensions by navigating through those waves. So art and expression of drama is a way to move, metaphorically, but also physically, into different heights. So this all might seem far away from the topic we want to discuss, mm -hmm. the movies, but I think it is actually much closer. Because when the cinematography was invented, just before that, the maximum form of art was in fact the opera, the quintessential mix of drama, music and dance. So why the opera moves you so much? Why people cry so hard when they watch the opera and they feel so overwhelmed by it? Well, there is a quote from one of the masters of opera, the great Wagner, who can describe this feeling very well. True drama can be conceived only as resulting from the collective impulse of all the arts to communicate in the most immediate way with a collective public. Thus, especially the art of tone developed with such singular diversity in instrumental music, will realize in the collective artwork its richest potential, will indeed incite the pantomimic art of dancing in turn to wholly new discoveries and inspire the breadth of poetry no less to an undreamed of fullness. For in its isolation, music has formed itself an organ capable of the most immeasurable expression, the orchestra.
This sounds beautiful. I'm not going to claim that I know everything that it actually <laughs> is trying to right, say. Right. But I'm more curious that how does this actually relate to contemporary cinema? Well, I quoted uh, Wagner because Wagner is trying to, uh, you know, in a very philosophical and poetical way, to describe uh, while the different forms of art uh, collectively um, create uh, something that connects very deeply uh, with our human e emotions. Yes. So music, dance, and, and drama. So I, I link that to the cinematographer because uh, the movies are basically the apotheosis of the opera genre because you cannot only listen, but you now can see images moving and people moving, talking, wrapped up in waves, in tones of music as well. So uh, those different waves are an essential DNA of all creation and that's why the movies who mimic this movement so vividly can move us so deeply. They tell us something about our true essence that we don't need to study, to comprehend, we just need to live in the moment and breathe it in. Movies are also very similar to dreams in the symbolic world of dreams and are like epiphanies in the dark, like stars in the universe. So the dream state can be again outlined in waves, as you might know when you know scientists studied uh, the dream lines. Yes. Uh, so it is indeed again images in movement. The musical genre, for example, is an incredible moving film that can make us feel so emotional because the levels of arts, you know, the singing, the dancing, the, mm -hmm. the listening to the music are all combined uh, like the opera with Wagner. So my thesis film, for example, in my bachelor degree in cinema studies was about uh, Dancer in the Dark by Lars von Trier. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with this movie, uh, Puya. I have seen it a few times and what I remember is exactly now that I'm looking back is exactly what you said. This combination of moving images with a particular color palette that evokes certain emotions along with the sound and that does create certain memories which is almost like a dream that I've had and even though I haven't seen the movie in a few years it's just like this very deeply embedded dream um, that still connects me to that emotion which was you know it's like sadness and humanity yeah yeah well no beautiful and that's very interesting because what uh, Fontuya did and this this is why I'm talking about Wagner is that he studied Wagner. He studied the structure of his opera and he tried to transfer it into Dancer in the Dark. Mm -hmm. So it is a typical music that is staring at Bjork, uh, the famous singer. Yes. The director, in fact, has Wagner in mind and his idea of the opera. He really wanted us to be moved and suffer, like you said, through the drama of the protagonist until the cathartic release. So von Trier played with the opera genre, but also paid homage to many different musicals, interpolating scenes that reminded of The Sound of Music, of West Side Story, Singing in the Rain, and so on. Maybe they're subliminal, you know, but they're there. So yes. it's, a, it's a big study about musicals and, and opera. So the whole movie is a study of these genres and of the connection between the images of sound and the sounds of images, which was my case study. I basically studied the different musical scenes of the movie by underlining the counterpoint between the two mediums, images and sounds. With a technique that is called masking, you can review a scene first turning the audio off and watching it without it, so like mute. And then re-watching it, adding the music and frame by frame trying to understand how the music commands the scene 
and what does it add specifically in terms of significance and emotion? How much is in unison or maybe dissonant from the images? How they wave and inter intertwine until the end? The images and the sounds work as musical notes on a common sheet uh, that is the movie itself, and uh, in the case of, uh, of a musical, the moves of the dancers work as another set of notes. They are all played beautifully together in a melodic symphony. And this study can be applied uh, actually to any movie, if you, you know, go and, uh, and try this technique. This sounds very interesting. So, movies, as an orchestra of sounds and images and movement that wave and move us until the acme, the crescendo, the apotheosis, and then the release, indeed dramatizing all of the full spectrum of the human emotions. So, coming back to our dance member mm -hmm, month mm -hmm. and the holiday classics, yeah. uh, so now we have another classic to add to our set list, right? A mm -hmm. beautiful day in the neighborhood. What can you tell us about the movie? So actually, when I went to the press screening for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, um, it was introduced by Joanne Rogers, the widow of Fred Rogers. Uh, the movie is based on the life of uh, Mr. Rogers, of mm -hmm. course. So she said that uh, Fred used to say that the space between the television set and the person watching it, it was a holy ground. So I love that. Um, I love this quote. Also because that day in New York City, when I walked to the movie theater, was one of those days where the spirits of the island of Manhattan seemed to get together to conspire against you, <laughs> possessing your umbrella that cracks and blows away, your traveling Starbucks that spills, and your subway ride that gets delayed for a police investigation. Oi. Well, <laughs> so it all seemed very gloomy, moody, until I comfortably sit and Mr. Rogers appeared on the big screen. So, the thoughtfulness, the brightness, the charm, and all that Fred Rogers was for generations of kids and young adults wrapped up the audience with a pitch-perfect classical narration that still can perform that cathartic little miracle to turn your day around and make you think of the beauty and goodness in people with the purity of your child's heart before it was ever broken. Mm. So, um, the miracle in this case is served by the exquisite touch of Marielle Heller, the director, who, after the lyrically riveting exploit with Can You Ever Forgive Me? I don't know if you, Puya, watched this movie last year. It was nominated for an Oscar. That's fine. So, I invite you and everybody to watch it because it's a very good movie. Uh, so, she continued to craft her voice, establishing herself as a contemporary poetess of the silver screen. As she turns the pages of the encounter between Mr. Rogers and Leo Vogel, who in real life was Tom Junot, uh, the Esquire journalist who in 1998 was assigned to write a profile on Mr. Rogers, Heller gently paints them in pastel colors, dreamy frames. She elegantly orchestrates the camera to embrace the audience as she gets into the fairytale world of Fred Rogers and out in the more grainy-gray world of uh, Lloyd Vogel, who struggles with a life filled with anger, cynicism, and, uh, and the unresolved issues with a complicated fighter figure, played by Chris Cooper. Mm. So Heller has the best crayons box in her hands, and a cast, a cast of stellar actors. 
Tom Hanks is giving us his Boy Next Door charm, playing both the Fred Rogers inner child and enlightened young adults with all the complexity and apparent naivety that reminds you of his famous Forrest, Forrest Gump. And they will probably get, that, get him that Oscar nomination that he has been missing since Castaway in 2001. Matthew Rees is strongly believable, neurotic, strong and fragile, dark and enlightened at the same time, and uh, Wendy McKenna in the pivotal role of Cooper's girlfriend. Mm, that sounds awesome. Looking forward to watching the movie and to our audience, tune in for a special episode featuring Tomasa's interview with Wendy McKenna, who tells us not only about the behind the scenes of the making of this movie, but also, as we had said about her long and full career as an eclectic performer and spilling the tea about some juicy behind the scenes of another classic, Sister Act. And now, before leaving you, I want to remind you to follow Creative Poisson on Instagram at creativepois underscore un. Also, you can follow us on Facebook at our Creative Poisson page and on our website www.creativepoisson.com except that in this case there is no O between the S and the N it's just P-O-I-S-N and so as we always say at the end of our episodes ready, ready set, set imagine, imagine.